From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. A 13-year-old on a bicycle in Juneau was struck by a car Saturday. Juneau police report that around 3.10 in the afternoon Saturday, they had received multiple 911 calls regarding a collision between a red jeep and a person on a bicycle on Egan Drive near Gold Creek. Juneau police officers, Capital City Fire and Rescue, Juneau Citizens Patrol, and the JPD's major accident reconstruction team responded. The bicyclist, who police said is a 13-year-old girl, was transported to Bartlett Regional Hospital and as of last report was slated to be medevaced to Seattle due to the severity of her injuries. The inbound lanes of Egan Drive were closed for almost four hours. Police said the investigation is ongoing. The Juneau Police Department has made arrests after an alleged shoplifting incident turned into something more serious. On June 16th, Juneau Police received a theft report from Sportsman's Warehouse. The complainant reported that 39-year-old Brandy Joe Yechmenoff left the store without paying for a cart full of store merchandise valued at nearly $300. Yechmenoff ran and fled the area. Police were able to identify a second subject in Sportsman's Warehouse as 37-year-old Henry Keith Johnson Jr. On June 23rd, Juno Police served a search warrant on a residence. Inside, they found several tools and other property believed to be stolen, as well as 1,100 grams of meth, 77 grams of heroin, 4 grams of suspected fentanyl, miscellaneous drug paraphernalia, and about $25,000 in cash. Here's Juno Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell. While JPD was at the residence, a 2007 silver Kia Sorento pulled up to the parking lot nearby. The driver got out of the vehicle and told police that they lived at the residence. The driver identified himself as 46-year-old Jeremiah Lee Pond. While speaking with Pond, officers could see a large amount of cash inside Pond's vehicle. Pond was detained and brought back to JPD. Officers obtained a search warrant for the vehicle, and inside they located the following items. 184 grams of blue pills suspected to be fentanyl. This is approximately 1,840 pills, 81.65 grams of heroin, miscellaneous drug paraphernalia, and approximately $4,200 in cash. All three were arrested and charged with felonies. On Friday, all defendants were arraigned in court. The Juno Pro-Choice Coalition held a reproductive justice rally at the Diamond Courthouse Saturday. The rally came the day after the U.S. Supreme Court ended constitutional protections for abortion that had been in place for nearly 50 years in a decision by its conservative majority to overturn Roe v. Wade. Rachel Gearhart is with the coalition. We are outraged. We are disappointed. We are crushed. We know you are too. We are tired of the devaluation of people with uteruses. We know you are too. We are sick with fear about how the young people will make a life when faced with an unplanned or unsafe pregnancy. And we know you are too. We are mad that in a country with many injustices, that there is one more way to negatively and disproportionately affect the lives of persons of color, people who experience homelessness, LGBTQI, two-spirit persons, immigrants, and on and on. Gerhardt says more women need to speak up in support of reproductive rights. Juno Representative Sarah Hannon also spoke to the crowd. To those of you who've been doing this for 49 years, I am so sorry that any of us that weren't there in 1973 at all took it 
for granted that when my mother, my very Catholic mother in 1973, when I was 12, said to me, you now have rights that no women before you have ever been able to exercise. Use them. Hannon told the crowd of around 300 that she fears Governor Dunleavy intends to stop abortions in Alaska. Juno Senator Jesse Keel says the U.S. Supreme Court decision in overturning Roe is flawed. There's not much good to say about that god-awful Supreme Court decision yesterday. I spent the whole day reading it, and it's crap. The, the history is flawed. The reasoning is, is junior high level, and it is just the first step they have planned. Keel says a majority of judges in Alaska are behind the rights of women, to have an abortion if they choose. Here in Alaska, those judges have just read the rules. They've read the Constitution. They've looked at the world and they've said, no, your right to privacy includes a decision when or whether you're going to become a parent. And the decision to choose a perfectly safe and effective medical procedure if that's what's right for you. All made their remarks during the reproductive justice rally on Saturday. The Alaska Supreme Court has upheld a lower court's ruling that will keep Republican Tara Sweeney off the ballot for the August special election Alaska's U.S. House race. In a brief written order Saturday, the High Court said it affirmed the decision of the Alaska Superior Court, which upheld the Alaska Division of Elections Director's decision to not advance Sweeney. She is the fifth-place finisher in the June 11th special primary and was not advanced to the Final Four after the third-place finisher suddenly dropped out. The High Court did not elaborate on its decision, but said a full opinion will follow at a later date. It is now final, and uh, Riverman Elementary School will become Kakdugu-Wuhin, uh, which is a very special gifted name. That was Juno Superintendent Dr. Bridget Weiss on Action Line regarding the renaming of Riverbend Elementary. Uh, we will start the process slowly. We don't make you really huge right or left turns when we augment uh, a name or, or change a school name. Uh, so we'll start adding it to the website. Uh, we do register that name with uh, the Department of Education. Uh, and so we're doing that process this month. And uh, I know that the school community has already spent time this past spring with students uh, learning about the name, uh, learning how to say the name. And and that, those activities will certainly continue once uh, students and staff return in August. And uh, replacing the Riverbend Elementary on top of the entrance, that may take a moment? <laughs> yes, we, we usually do those types of replacements as they are needed. Uh, and so um, we'll take that as it comes um, for sure. Wise says that the board will be taking up a school renaming policy later in the year. The board is uh, interested in establishing a school renaming pro policy because that was one difference here with Riverbend Elementary School that we hadn't done before. Mm. All of the other gifted names <clears throat> have been augmented names, so like Juno Douglas High School, Yada Atkase, um, Sayek Gastineau, uh, we have Sitatishana Glacier Valley Elementary School. But this was a full name replacement, and we discovered through the process that we really don't have a board policy that specifically addresses a full school name replacement mm -hmm. process. So that's something that the board will be taking up 
in the fall to get that established in case we ever run into this situation again. And, and this was different from Dezanta Kahine because when that was built, it was given that name. It was name that for, original name, correct. Mm. Mm-hmm. Juno Superintendent Dr. Bridget Weiss. Sea Alaska Heritage Institute's Board of Trustees has named the Dakaquan Dancers, or People of the Inland, as the lead dance group for a celebration 2024. Dakaquan Dancers, a clinket group based in Whitehorse, Yukon, Canada, will lead all dancers for the first time since the group initially performed at celebration in 2008. Marilyn Jensen is the leader of the group. We're just really thrilled and so honored, humbled, um, really didn't expect it at all, you know, to be um, asked to be the host lead group next celebration. So we're really, really thrilled, and we have a lot of work to do. You know, our, our plan is really to represent hardcore and to just bring it up to the next level, you know, uh, in regards to ourselves and the development of our group and how we want to represent our nations. Jensen says Indigenous cultural revitalization in Canada is progressing in the same way as in Southeast Alaska. Language revitalization is right up there. Uh, dancing, singing, drumming, uh, regalia making, you know, really this expression of our art forms is very, I think, high on the radar as well. And I think what we find is that it provides more than just kind of the surface level, you know, oh, great, we're dancing. It really is a force of healing and a way that we can really connect to ourselves, to our land, to our ancestors, and really just celebrate who we are, you know, as Indigenous people. Jensen thanked Sea Alaska for honoring them with this selection. I'm going to uh, the Sea Alaska Board of Trustees, Sea Alaska Heritage Board, of, and, you know, we're really looking forward to it. We can't wait to see everybody in 2024. The honor is given to one dance group every two years. The Juno Arts and Humanities Council hosted their first market event of the year. Located in the parking lot shared by Centennial Hall and the Jack, the fresh air market ran from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Saturday. Lorelai Maiko shared information about their events. My name is Laura Maiko, and I am the Arts and Programs Manager for the Jack. One of the programs that we run every year is the Fresh Air Market, or any markets. We have a few different markets that go on during the summer. We have the Fresh Air Market. It's vendors from all over town, and we sell anything from cottage goods, arts, crafts, beauty, anything you can think of. And it's just a way to bring people in our community together, and we run markets all year long. So today we have 21 vendors, and we can have up to 36 sometimes 40 vendors on these events. They have more markets happening this year. And we have another market coming up in July. We have another one in September. And then in August, we have our huge event, which is a food fest. And it's all food and home goods. Maiko also said they look for local artists to perform at the markets. The Empty North performs Saturday. She also had information about how individuals can become involved. Anyone wants to know anything more about these events or get involved, they can email me at laura at jahc.org. Alaska Seaplanes reports that the Cessna float plane had an accident during takeoff late Sunday afternoon. The Cessna 208A float plane, flight number 1802-1, was out of Alvin Cove and bound for Juneau at about 11.45 yesterday morning. Marketing manager Andy Klein said the plane had an accident upon takeoff and ended up on the shoreline. 
All eight on board, one pilot and seven passengers, were uninjured and later picked up by a boat back to Elvin Cove. Alaska Seaplanes activated its emergency response plan and is working to determine the nature and extent of the situation. No cause of the accident has yet been determined. Two structures in Southeast are now considered historical civil engineering landmarks on a national level. That is the Sammy Creek Dam in Juneau, commissioned in 1914, and the O'Connell Bridge in Sitka, which went into service in 1972. Greg Kenny, former Alaska Section President for the American Society of Civil Engineers, explained the several criteria that are needed to become such a landmark. 50 years of use, has to be of historical significance locally or statewide, and finally, have unique characteristics that set the structure apart from other civil engineering projects. Kenny said the dam will be joining other historic landmarks in the country. The Hoover Dam would be one of them. Another one that uh, a much less prominent, but still in the category of dams that I did attend the dedication of it, was uh, Arrow Rock Dam, which is in southern Idaho near Boise. At that time, it was a very, very large structure, and I, if I recall correctly, the tallest you know, in the world at that particular point in time. Kenny was asked what he thinks significant structures in Alaska all share in common. The optimistic mindset that one must have in order to solve engineering problems that are difficult to solve but need solutions, you need unique solutions, and sometimes uh, world-class solutions, too. You know, I think uh, about some of the, like, uh, Trans-Alaska Pipeline, Salmon Creek Dam, they required ingenuity and, in many cases, expertise that was outside of our state, but where new ground had to be blazed in order to resolve the unique problems that existed here, whether it's permafrost, whether it's remoteness, the you know, unique geological you know, attributes, they got it done. The application process to make the Salmon Creek Dam a national historic landmark was started by the late Scott Willis, who was an operator for the dam. The work was picked up where Willis left off. Kenny said the work took a number of years. I felt really good about it. Uh, we worked very hard to get to this point. And it was uh, over a, a number of years, as you say, beginning with what Scott provided for us and you know, really inspired by his work and also inspired by uh, what I'd seen in the Arrow Rock Dam. We, you know, we, that gave us the confidence to move this thing forward and realize that you know, this could be done. A dedication ceremony for the Salmon Creek Dam Historic Landmark designation will be held on September 10th in Juneau. Meanwhile, a national report card on infrastructure has been released and Alaska got a C grade. On ports and harbors in Alaska, a D-plus grade was given, an increase from the previous D grade four years ago. The report card cards are done by the American Society of Civil Engineers, an international volunteer organization. Port Director Carl Ucatel was the author for the Ports and Harbors section and spoke about that on Action Line. A lot of that, when you look uh, throughout the, the state, um, there's still challenges, but there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. So uh, the port of Alaska, which is the port of Anchorage, um, still has challenges in meeting their recapitalization needs. Uh, the fact that we don't have an Arctic uh, deep water port drags that down a bit, but there is movement towards Nome becoming a deep water Arctic port. So in the future, I think that'll, that will trend in the, the right direction. However, cruise development southeast helped the grade.
So when we did it uh, four years ago, um, we were at a D. I think having, you know, the, the recapitalization of the cruise ship docks in Juneau and in Ward Cove and Huna, all those things helped to, to push those um, numbers up. Yucatel explained that a drag on the grade is the uncertainty in the Alaska Department of Transportation's Harbor Grant Program, a grant that all small boat harbors in Alaska use. It was part of a... I'll say a deal in 2006 where the legislature recognized that uh, municipalities, as they received uh, state-built um, small boat harbors, that they would need um, support to recapitalize those aging facilities. And uh, basically that, uh, that program hasn't been fully funded. It's only been fully funded twice in the last, since inception in 2006. Port Director Carl Yucatel commenting on Action Line. The Vatican has released the itinerary for Pope Francis's July 24th through the 30th visit to Canada. The publication of the program last week is a sign he intends to go ahead with the trip despite knee problems that forced him to cancel his six-day visit to Africa that was also planned for next month. Francis is due to visit Canada to apologize to indigenous peoples for abuse at Catholic-run residential schools. ABC's Megan Williams reports. As recently as just a few days ago, Vatican insiders were giving the Pope's trip to Canada in July a 50-50 chance. He has knee and sciatica problems, and doctors have reportedly been urging him to stay put. But the Vatican released the itinerary of the trip, confirming it will happen. The Pope will meet with Indigenous and residential school survivors throughout his trip, stopping in Edmonton, Quebec City, and Iqaluit in the north. Indigenous groups would like an apology from the Pope in Canada for the role of the Church in the systemic abuse at the Catholic-run schools there. Megan Williams, ABC News, the Vatican. The itinerary was delayed for nearly two weeks, and its publication doesn't mean the trip is 100% confirmed. Never miss a story or a newscast at keinyradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.